it again. <laughs> KFM Geekly, we're keeping it because it was awesome. <laughs> this week. It... <laughs> Hey, those topics. <laughs> we'll be doing those topics. <laughs> oh my God! Welcome to KM Geekly. I'm Mike and Daglio. <laughs> I am Keith Marty. I didn't. I, uh, I I was trying to turn a light on, and I'm like, oh crap! I have to talk, this and then they didn't do the Keith <laughs> revisits puberty. Even though nobody should do that because puberty sucked. Oh, it's uh, the worst. It is the worst. Uh, it's trying sne- to get the lighting right for you guys. Sneak peek. Geeks talking things week. Uh, it's also our <laughs> warm up. It's you know every good performer has to do a little mm-hmm. bit of a warm up. Mm-hmm. We got a busy week here at the channel. We're uh, going to be uh, you know doing Deep Space Nine, Keith, and we got to record a new toys this week, and we have to we're gonna we're gonna do a little chit chat about. I think we we mentioned it once in in passing that you and I uh, had the privilege. We were asked to be on the jury for the Brooklyn Sci-Fi Film Festival this year. And uh, because, Keith, you knew the one of the, I guess, the the curator of the of the festival? How did yeah, that yeah. come to be? Yeah, yeah. Just through work. Through work. We, you know, we, just, we knew each other in other capacities. And uh, he saw my, my nerd shelf behind me, and he's like, hey, I bet you might be useful in this. So here we are. Yeah, so we're going to, that festival I think is opening next week, if I'm not mistaken, or in two weeks, the 15th, I, I don't have the details, uh, there'll be a link in the thing, and we're going to be doing dropping some content for them, I'm excited about this weekend. It was a really cool experience, we talked a little bit about it in a weekly rad a few weeks back, uh, to watch people uh, of various, diff, various different levels of filmmaking experience, levels in the business, and I was absolutely flabbergasted by how talented people are who are just amateurs and up to the the credible short what what people can accomplish i i did two categories i i was a judge for two categories that were shorts mm-hmm. and you know it, it might you might think that that is easier in some ways to just instead of having to do a feature length film to just do five minutes but in order to like execute a concept with a beginning middle and end uh, in five minutes is a challenge Pretty impressive yeah, yeah. And some yep. people, some people did a great job. Uh, most people did a really great job, except for the f- the, f- the film that Keith entered, which was trash. And uh, hey, the Wrath of Neener yeah. is a cinematic achievement. I actually sent it to them. Uh, did you really? When we were chatting yesterday. Oh, that's and funny. They, they very much enjoyed it. So there you go. Anyway, uh, yeah, and then I'm going to a playoff baseball game tomorrow, so I'm excited about that. Uh, CEO Jen is off today, so I'm gonna we're gonna rush through this so that I can say goodbye to her. Uh, before she takes off. So let's just talk about some of the things that we've been checking out last week that I want to talk about, Keith. And I will start with topic number one, a documentary that I watched called Kelsey. And this is currently available on your Amazon Prime video if you're a Prime subscriber. And Keith, uh, apropos to nothing, I, it feels like you had a you had a, a you went to war with Amazon today. Oh yes, well you know we'll we'll see if I get my speakers tomorrow we'll be fine. Mm. Yes. Uh, also, gotta say Amazon Prime, your coverage of football is terrible. So fix it. Uh, it's been years now. Make the video better. Make the audio better and in sync if possible. Thank you. Yeah, in sync. I should. You know, I watched their uh, like stat version mm-hmm. 
of the last game. And it was it was interesting. I would never want to watch that for like a Giants game, a game that I cared about, but for a game that I didn't, it was kind of interesting. So first things to notice, uh, generally speaking, Keith, in all of media, not since the very truthful, very impactful, truthful storytelling in The Blind Side, starring Sandra Bullock. <laughs> yes. uh, so truthful. Yeah. Has there been a uh, much content about the offensive linemen in football, which mm. is basically these giant meat bags who take gargantuan amount of punishment uh, on the football field every week and rarely get talked about. I mean, they don't get any of the glitz. They don't get any of the glamour. They don't get any of this. Rarely do they get the the sponsorship deals. But these are guys who are generally veterans in the uh, in the league because a lot of times they break a bone, they break a, a hand, a foot, a toe, a neck, a back. They 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 just slap some some gauze and send them back out there. I mean, they're not they're not getting off because they have a stinger in their big toe, Keith, like the running backs. Anyway, I say that because the name Kelsey, uh, uh, as of a couple of weeks ago, if you weren't from either Kansas City or uh, Philadelphia or in the in the football world, you probably never even heard the name. But now everybody has because uh, older brother Travis Kelsey seems to be dating or uh, involved with the Taylor Swift. Uh, it sure seems like it. Yeah. Anyhow, points, point being is last year or two years ago, Two seasons ago, no, it was last season, uh, Jason Kelsey, who you'll see in the bottom right here, who was a Philadelphia Eagle, uh, had decided that this was probably his last year in the league after 12 years, his 12th or 13th season. And the Eagles went to the Super Bowl, and he faced off against his big brother, or his little brother, big brother? Can't remember. No. Travis. Uh, little, little, brother, little brother. Little brother Travis. Little brother. Uh, which is something that in sports... It doesn't happen a lot. You don't usually get to play your brother at the top of your sport in the championship at a professional level. It's just, it's crazy. You saw it in baseball last year, the two of the Nolas went at each other, but it's, it happened here. But what's cool is that it, so the documentary crew followed Jason throughout the season. And so you get a lot of sports content. They follow him through the season. You see the ups and downs of the season, injuries, and how you balance that with work life. And also having your brother, uh, who's has won a Super Bowl and you've won a Super Bowl and now you're both trying to win another Super Bowl. It's some cool stuff. But it actually documents Jason and his rise growing up through school and sports. And nobody thought this guy could play professional sports. Nobody. His brother, mm -hmm. Travis, got all of the sort of genetic freak ability. He's tall, he's strong, he's fast. And Jason was not those things to begin he could barely make his high school football team uh, and just was faced with people telling him you're never going to be a professional football player. And sort of it becomes a Philadelphia story from there, a very Rocky-esque story because it's about overcoming adversity, overcoming people telling you can't do something and how sometimes hard work and perseverance actually can translate uh, mixed with a bunch of luck and people helping you along the way, And of course. And it sort of documents why this guy has become an absolute hero in Philadelphia sports. I mean, he will go on the, the Hall of Fame. He will go on. He'll never buy a beer in this town again. If you've never seen it, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl a few years back, he gave a speech on the steps of the art museum wearing a full mummer's gear and mm -hmm. just talked about, gave a speech about underdogs. Now, 
I'll warn you right off the top. It is not kid-friendly, and if you value your vocal cords in any way, shape, or form, listening might be difficult uh, as he shreds his vocal cords into oblivion and you hear it happen, but it's inspiring and it's pretty awesome. And this documentary is shot beautifully. The story is amazing. Their relationship is amazing. Uh, the, sto- the, the, the way they paint Philadelphia is so different than the way we're generally uh, documented in the media. Mostly deserving, I will say. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. there's also some, the passion is real here and it can, it is very, it, it can be uh, inspiring when things are going well. <laughs> so I highly recommend Kelsey, the documentary available on, on Amazon Prime, absolutely worth a watch for sports fans fans of just sort of an inspirational documentary. And these two brothers, both of them, are incredibly charismatic dudes. Uh, you should check out their podcast. They have a podcast, which is, I think, the number one podcast uh, right underneath uh, probably Joe Rogan, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, super popular, even more popular now because of Swifty. But uh, can't recommend it higher. Kelsey, sports person or not, you should check it out. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I probably will check it out. Yeah. Like, I I do enjoy stuff like that. So you will I love, I love the will behind love the scenes, uh, behind the scenes of like crazy. Well, kind of anything is mm-hmm. awesome. Um, but also sort of the sports world or the, you know, I, well, I love wrestling documentaries because you see the intersection of sports and entertainment, but also like the human beings in it. You know, when you're when you're dealing with the human beings in the midst of this larger than life chaos, it's I think it's fascinating. Yeah, and, and just how these guys during a season can have a family is 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 amazing. And also from like a nerd perspective, I love I want my sports at like the highest resolution at sixty frames per second. But when watching them back in like documentary form, to see football shot on film at twenty four frames per second is always mm-hmm. a, is a treat. So the NFL film, NFL sure. Films, so check it out, Kelsey, Amazon Prime, Keith. All right, Big Sharks. Big Sharks, yeah. Big Sharks, big movie. Uh, yeah, so I watched, <laughs> talk about, you know, there right now, in terms of, like, entertainment time that I have in a week where I'm not watching something for work, right? you know, for, for, for a project, or sports, which are sort of have to be live, I only get about an hour or two a week that I have just like free play time mm-hmm. where I'm where I'm not, you know, doing research or something. And so uh I chose probably the 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 trashiest thing I could possibly watch. Uh you want to know why? Because I love shark movies. Mm-hmm. Uh ever since I imprinted on Jaws, I have been chasing that feeling uh of the first time I saw Jaws for the rest of my life. It is a high that I will never replicate. Stay some baby. I mean Sure, but it just I keep searching for it. I know the Meg Two is not going to be that. I saw Meg One, but it's a big giant. Meg shark One was movie. pretty cool. Well, I thought it was like very serviceable. The uh, Meg One was fine. Um, you know, I I think that people are afraid to make a real scary shark movie, mm-hmm. and that everything has to be tongue in cheek because Sharknado. they're afraid of the they're afraid of the comparisons. Oh, and I so you have because they made so much money with Sharknado, they were like, "Oh, that's the that's the the uh, ticket." 
Well, yeah, but I I think honestly, after Jaws came out in '75, there were 10 trillion Jaws ripoffs, mm. and you had every type of animal under the water that could possibly eat you, from like piranhas to whales to whatever. And Jaws, the series, was never able to replicate the magic, and and I think they realized, oh, people will laugh at us if we take it seriously, so let's make it a joke moving forward. Um, and so it's sort of other than like small indie films, um, which aren't able to sort of, you know, give the heft that Jaws had, all the big budget stuff has been sort of tongue in cheek. And this is very much tongue in cheek again. Um, it is an interesting, I, I think what's interesting about the movie is not the movie itself. The movie itself is not good, right? Um, the CGI improved a great deal from Meg One, which looked pretty bad. Um, but, you know, it's a big giant shark is eating people. It's fun, right? Um, the the CG is much improved. They have m much more creatures and monsters and chaos or whatever. Um, and whatever. It's exactly what you think it is. Mm. But what's interesting about the Meg series is that it is um, an interesting hybrid of two different types of cinema. Right? It's an American production, but it's also a Chinese production. And so this film, this series, oh. is very <clears throat> specifically built for both audiences. And so half of the cast is, you know, from the West, half of the cast is a Chinese cast. It's, I think it's half financed e either way. And so you have this really interesting film um, that is a little bit of a hybrid. And, you know, some of the, some of the dialogue is in Chinese, some of, most of the dialogue is in English, but some of it is. And, and so there's a lot of sort of nods to that culture. And I think a lot of that comes out in the tone of it. And I think that the um, the humor in this, they ramped up the humor. It's designed to be funnier, but it's also not a Western style humor. And hmm. that and that it is very um broad and sort of on the nose. I, when I when I did my show in Korea, uh, I had somebody tell me that some of the humor was landing funny in my show because our culture is in the West is so irony based. Hmm. It's so like I'm saying something, but I mean the opposite on almost everything. The feeling I'm giving you is not the feeling I'm actually having. And so there's all these like layers and layers and layers of conflicting information in every line and every action and every emotion um, but at least from what that person told me, and I think it bore out with the audience that that at least you know what uh, I don't really what the hell do I know? But the but culturally, it's much more straightforward, right? And so I was getting giant reactions from people, you know, from the audience in Korea. Somebody saying something outrageous, meant ironically, that the audience like, oh, they really meant that, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And so. The humor in the Meg 2, it might be that or it might just be that's just, just whatever. It's so straight ahead. There is no irony. There is no nothing. And so the silliness is like full-on slapstick silly without sort of a there's, – there's no tongue in the cheek. It's just straightforward right there. And so it feels very um, feels very dated. Mm -hmm. So the, the humor feels like it, it was here in the 80s. Right in the '80s, everything was like really straightforward, really you know, and it it didn't sort of add the layer of of irony, of sort of 
acid undertones or you know subtext that we we got later it's just really straightforward so as a result it's not at least to me funny mm. and so they're doing all these things that are supposed to be funny but it's not funny it's it feels it feels very sort of silly but not in a wink kind of a way um and so as a result you know the the monsters and the and the effects were better still could definitely be better than it was but i was like it would be great if the funny giant shark movie were funny yeah that, and it's that... not to me um but you know whether or not that is because an audiences in China are expecting a different type of humor than yeah, we're expecting. I think that's possible. You're getting a full two hour runtime too. So it's not even, it is a very long movie. Yeah. Um, you know, look, did I watch the whole thing and did I enjoy it? You know, sitting with uh sitting with a little blind dog and watching shark movies. Yeah, I sure did. When they come out with Meg three, am I going to watch it? Yeah, I'm going to watch it. Cause it's a giant shark movie and I don't give a crap. Just show me the big giant shark. Yeah, I can't imagine going to the movies for this one, but I, I think as a at homer, I could definitely. I don't know. I think if it's on, maybe uh, the circumstances would, H- have, would have to be very specific for me to watch. It's it, on right? HBO right now, and like it's 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 the perfect thing to like. Hey, you know, I've just got a couple hours to kill. I've got a pizza. Let's let's watch this nonsense. What's strange though is I'm watching the trailer on the IMDb page as I pull it up. The best shots in the trailer weren't actually used in the movie. Mm, that's that could be a problem. Like, what are you doing? That was those those are great shots. I never even used them. It's so weird when that happens. You know, I had a friend. We've gotten so spoiled with the at home. I've been trying to go to the movies a lot more, as you've seen on the channel. But I had a friend write me the other day about going to see the new going to town to see the new Scorsese film, which comes out in like a week or two. Keith, you know the runtime on that is four hours. Oof. Nope. <laughs> Hard no. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, that's a tough one. That is a tough one all right so uh speaking of tough ones i don't know i don't know if that's a good no it's not a good yeah actually it's good i'm gonna make the the segue work so i am a fan of the talking heads i think i appreciate them more i I love their singles like the the big hits right more probably than their catalog uh when you think of 80s music, you don't really think, you think of a couple of Talking Heads songs, but they don't jump out in the pantheon. It's interesting, a lot of 80s music is like one-hit wonder-based when you think about when you go back and like really mm-hmm. look at the tops. But the Talking Heads were really started in the 70s, mid-70s through the mid-80s. And what I guess I didn't remember or know about the Talking Heads is just how disco and funk-based their catalog is. A lot of their singles and their hits that you would know, Burning Down the House, uh, Letting the Days Go By, Water Flowing, you know, are not Mm -hmm. such, but almost everything else is very disco, very funk. Anyway, generally considered one of the best concert documentary films ever Mm -hmm. made is called Stop Making Sense. It was released in 1984. It was self-funded by uh, the band, it was like $1.2 million they raised for themselves to make this movie. Ooh, that's a lot of money in 1984. Yep, yep. and it was, uh, uh, Jonathan Dem was, Demay, Dem was the, Demi was the, Demi was the director. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, and anyway, I had seen, I think, I've seen bits and pieces of it because you've, because they're freaking legend. Like you've seen the big suit as you're seeing here. You might've seen clips of, 
uh, some of the choreography or with David Byrne dancing with the uh, lampshade in Home. Anyway, uh, A24, who is just absolutely slaying it and has a whole slate of movies coming out uh, because they were the first to adopt the WGA demands, uh, found the original masters of the movie. Oh, um, cool. And if you go back and watch it, I think it's available on Amazon or one of the documentary, what's it, Film Rise or some whatever, some of the documentary streaming services, you can see it. Uh, it it's filmed real lo-fi. So it is uh, very 80s and very kind of like 16 millimeter. And they found the original uh, negatives and they they uh, this rescanned it, cleaned it, and restored it to 4K. It looks great. It looks very much like it was shot like recently, and they remastered it. They did a rem- an Atmos remaster, uh, kind of under the the band supervision as well as Spike Lee came in and helped and uh, did a they did a, a a release at Cannes, and Spike Lee interviewed them, and it's sort of like gotten the band back together, doing a lot of marketing. Uh, they there was some animosity with them and whatnot, but it seems like they've let bygones be bygones. Now, the another thing that's really interesting about this, I read a piece that it's considered one of the highlights of uh, representation of neurodivergence on, on film early, mm. earliest, because Byrne has come out and kind of said that he, he falls on the spectrum of autism, and, and this was a period of his life where he's telling a story with this, with this concert about feeling alienated as the film starts with uh, him playing, just comes out with a boombox and hits go with a beat and just like plays a song. And then the bass player comes out for the second song. The drummer comes out for the second song. And by the, like the fourth song, they have this whole band, this expanded lineup. And they just for 90 minutes rock out. And it's like very disco and it's very funk based. And you can't help but just see a band just exuberant and, and there's, they're just rocking and sweating their balls off, probably on all kinds of cocaine. Uh, don't know is, that. Is this the concert that they parodied on Documentary Now? Yes, I think so. Because I, I, yes. I saw that and the way you described it, I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 I saw the yeah. parody of that. It is it is just great. Uh, I, I drugged CEO Jen out there. She is like, not, was not into it, but she ended up having I thought you said you drugged CEO No, no, Jen. no. Uh, I would have. I thought I was going to have to to get her to see this, but no, she really loved it, and it tells a story. It feels like what she said, and it was exactly my feeling. It feels like you went to the MoMA and just sort of watched some visual art for ninety minutes. Mm. And the music, you take it or leave it. It's up to you whether you dig it or you don't dig it. That's subjective, pretty much. But it is telling a story that you is not quite. Uh, is very uh, abstract, but specific, and definitely specific to him. Their lyrics, their music, everything about it, it's not. It's 84 minutes. I mean, uh, check it out in a theater. It's a big sound, but it's also going to be, I'm sure, re-released on Apple or something, could say 24. Uh, it's worth checking out. I understand why it's called one of the greatest. You know, a lot of concert films are either super popular bands, with super high production value. Your Taylor Swift's coming. You've got your, you know, the Rolling Stones. You've got this. Or really tortured people, like, in their last concert. You know, those are the kind of stakes you usually see in these types of films. This is not that. This is a band that is just 
really tight because it's the end of this tour. It's filmed over three nights at the Pantages. It's awesome. It's really worth it. It's worth checking out. If you're a Talking Heads fan, it's a must. If you're just like a music lover, it's it when when you could probably find it the original cu- uh, cut streaming now. But just wait for the the 4K scan because it's awesome. And that's uh, stop making sense. Well, there it ha- is. I was happy we checked it out, Keith. Let's do this week as we do every week. Talk a little bit about our weekly rad. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I'll, I. I have a pre-weekly rad. Great, me too. I'm I'm going to say something optimistically, okay, and choose to believe that this is going to work, and that is uh, car repair. Oh, okay. Right. Uh-huh. So uh, my car's air conditioning stopped working. Oh, yeah, the, which the is supercharger you bought from Amazon. Well, right. So I so I've got the I've got the 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 little thingy to recharge the the uh the ac i'm gonna try doing that today and i'm gonna choose to believe it's gonna work and uh gonna recharge and fix my ac for 45 bucks as opposed to 500 bucks i you know what i if that's possible and if that works that will be super rad so uh okay that's that that is i am i am pre-ratting i'm optimistically ratting uh, yes, I'm pre-ratting as well. I have, you know, I've, I've, I've got, like I said, we talked about it last week. I'm really busy trying to learn. It's not so much that learning material is hard for me. It's not. It's learning it off of a videotape of other people doing it on a videotape. It's very difficult mm. for me, right? The music for this show is very. I, I have a good ear, so I can hear. I know the music. It's like trying to learn the kind of cheesy choreo backwards, mirrored. From other people doing it on a YouTube video. It, it's mm-hmm. really challenging my brain. And also, I don't want to do it. So I have that kind of... <laughs> I keep procrastinating. Uh, but... I mean, is there any way? I'm going to just put... I'm just going to put this up there. Can you set up a, like, uh, a, a stop motion cam? <laughs> like a... No. Like, one of the one of those, like, uh, uh, I forgot whatever you call that. Where yeah, it takes, and- takes, a, takes a shot every uh, every two seconds. Just to see what's hap- how how this is. All I, I would like to watch your rehearsal a, of a that. time lapse, Keith. A ti- time lapse. That's what I'm looking for. Can you give us a time uh, lapse of you learning that? Maybe we'll see. Uh, uh, folks out there, fans of the weekly rad people, people who watch our our, our shows. I guess how much I'm, would you like to see? I wouldn't stop have to. I wouldn't have to Mike. play the uh, the audio, so we wouldn't get demonetized. So I could maybe do it. Um, yeah. At least for one number, I'll stop. We, motion we just want to see you learn the choreo. It's a lot of st- anyway. Okay, so that so anyway, I've been pre-ratting a bunch of stuff to kind of fill my time, and and so there are a couple of things I'm looking forward to. I want to talk about one because you have s- spoiled me, Keith, for life. I keep checking my Amazon. I have ordered there. The pre-orders are live for the uh, the Playmates Star Trek Next Generation mm. Enterprise D re-release. They're doing, and Amazon tells me it's coming in the next week to week and a half. Uh, whether that hits the date, I don't know, but it'd be awesome because it'd be cool content we can talk about on the channel. The first one like made our channel, so yeah, it sure did. So maybe, but now this it's one... too late because people are already already have their hands on it. Yeah, you know what? Weird. You could you could get your cake early or get the good cake. It's up to you. <laughs> Gross. Um, so that's one thing. Number two, I've mentioned it a bunch of times. I won't do a labor. I'm going to see a playoff baseball game by myself tomorrow. I've never been to one. So excited. It's a late pitch. 8-10 start. Ooh. So uh, 
God bless. And then also, I can't say too much about it. We've got the, some cool like content with the uh, the film festival this week, but also neck a week from today, I get to go into the city uh, oh. to do a reading for uh, my buddy who wrote a musical. And yeah. it's getting, you know that first step in a mu- journey to the journey to success is very long, Keith. But that first step is just a bunch of people sitting around the table reading a first draft. Well, it's that's one exactly of exactly what's going to happen. It's one of my legit legit favorite things because it's the spark of creation, right? Uh, a million changes will probably happen from then to whatever the next step is, or there will be it will die on the wither on the vine and die. But for that for that two hours, Keith, we will attempt to make some magic, and we get to, I get to do it with my buddy, so I'm very excited. I to certainly see. hope so. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited about it. Uh, we'll we'll see. It might uh, it might be great. It might crash and burn. I'm hoping for something in the middle. Yeah, that's uh, the best. Hit the one in the middle, as as Adrian's or uh, Mickey said. Well, nobody I think that's 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 my plan. Just hopefully, it's not horrible. Mm-hmm. So. We, I, you know, and I think for for this stage in the process, I'm just looking for, uh, okay, that works and that works. Mm-hmm. So make everything fall in line with that. Just give me a couple things that work, and then I think we'll I'll be well. Really and good I don't think people re- recognize so much that you, there is a there is a gulf in the way our brains work and the way we write and the way we talk and. You might write something on a page or type something on a page, and it seems like it's funny as hell. And then you hear a human being say it out loud, and it is radically sits different on the ear than it does on the it eye. Does. It is a thing that is doesn't seem to make sense, but is as true as truth can be. And so you will get you as an author or as a writer will learn legion of information yeah. from and, and it, it works both ways mm-hmm. because sometimes something you don't think works kills Mm -hmm. sometimes you think this is a guaranteed hit it dies you have to hear it out loud and i felt that way even when i was writing the novels Mm -hmm. i had to read it out loud because it it uses a different part of your brain like you notice like oh i misspelled something or i find uh, i I write so fast they're missing words in sentences constantly Mm -hmm. in my first drafts because I'm just writing too fast, I'm I'm not noticing that I left a word out, and then when, when it gets read out loud, like people are trying to make sense of what is this sentence because I just dropped a word. I find the I find as a as a as a performer. In fact, this happened with uh, the reading I did a few weeks ago. There's a balance. There's a delicate balance, right? Because especially early in the process, you really want to read what's on the page because that's what the author is trying to hear, right? They're trying to suss out. Right. But you have to. It's a it's a matter of taste. I consider myself to have pretty good taste. There are times you read something, a line coming up, and you're like, hmm, it's really not funny. But it it is very close to funny, and I suspect I know how it could be funny. And so you alter the read, or you just like tweak it slightly and make it funny, and it gets it kills in the room, and then you can see the author steal it in real time. And yeah. that's like my favorite thing, because I know that I will never get credit for that when it meets when it meets the final road, but I was like, but I know. That's my joke that I, yeah. I tweak for them. So I, I, and, I, I, I dig that. And, and that's a fun part of the rehearsal process. I mean, the reading process, just fucking read it. Yeah, Don't put your stank a, on yeah, it. Just sometimes read you it. need the stank. Sometimes the stank. Well, sometimes the, the stank, stank is organic. You need the stank later. Yeah. <laughs> right. You need the stank in the rehearsal process. Yeah. The reading process, like, I just need to hear the words. I, you know, like, it's reading for clarity. Yeah. So that I understand. So I need to know what's there. 
need to know if it works and then but you're right once you get into that rehearsal process then that's where the magic that's where the magic really happens mm -hmm. because like you you hand it to talented people like you and then you find something in there you you like you, it is it's sometimes it's that 10% tweak that ups the joke by 200%. Well, that's the alchemy of collaboration, right? Is that, you listen, <laughs> sometimes something might kill, right? I'll, I'll give you a random example, right? I'll never forget seeing the producers on Broadway, right? Now, I remember just pissing myself laughing, but you have to remember that when that was being done on Broadway at a certain time, the two leads in that show were, were just ad-libbing all over the place stopping the show this and that so when yeah. that finally trickles down to community theater you might go see, this is not a knock on community theater by the way you might go see a professional regional production of the producers and find it horrifically unfunny or you know it, i did one yeah, and it was <laughs> because funny isn't always the joke funny is often how someone tells the joke well and that is i mean i know you got a meeting we can't talk about it but it's like uh from a writing standpoint, like it is the producer is a perfect example of that, where the writing relies so much on the performance that it's it, you're right. It's not the same show without those special sparkle of performance. And so for me, my goal is to make sure that it is two things. One, it's still funny mm -hmm. when there is no sparkle to the performance. But that when you do have that level of performer, they're able to add their sparkle to it so that it's not so you're so hamstrung that you can't be like really funny people can't be funny, but also that it still has some level of funny when the people aren't funny. And that I think is really where the um, where I'm aiming for. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's it is not just a sketch to allow people to run, but also like is not confining. It also makes the reading process, I think maybe one of the other reasons I enjoy it so much too is because so often as performers, you have two, there are two parts, right? There are uh, audition, getting the job, and then doing the job. And in, in both of those, often it's about me, 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 right? Getting the job, I have to make these people like me. In performing, I have to, you want to be good. You want, that's part of why we do this, right? You want to do a good job. Right. Uh, in the reading process, it's not about you at all. Uh, it, it is right. so not about you. And so you don't have to bring any of that baggage in. You can just go because it's all doing favors for you want the you want the money in the room or the p potential money in the room to like the thing because you want the thing to happen. And you want to help the writer make the best thing. So it, it's you, you get to kind of be uh, a, 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 a piece of a puzzle instead of uh, framing the puzzle. Well, sense. and it, it comes down to the objective of what's happening in that moment, right? Because are we doing this to make the show better, mm -hmm. right? If we're doing this as an artistic thing to like, let's figure out what works, what doesn't work. Let's, you know, let's, let's use this as a diagnostic tool, right? Then I don't want you to fix it if it's broken, because if you fix it, I don't know it's broken. Right. Yeah. Great point. Right. However, if we're doing a the backers audition and you're doing a reading and you need you know people are like writing, doing the right checks, I, yes, please fix it and then mm -hmm. <laughs> because I need 
you know, I need people to say yes in that room. And so I think it's important to communicate to your performers what the purpose of what we're doing is. Mm -hmm. And is this diagnostic or is this, or is this an audition for the show itself? Um, and I think that that is, maybe that's an important thing that I, sh I should focus on making sure that people know that when I'm doing stuff. Yeah, well, I think you've and as a as a performer, you curate that over the years. You realize what you're doing and why you're doing it. Yeah, and you let a lot of the baggage go. But as a writer too, like I think you've you've curated a good stable of folks who kind of get it. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. No, the people like the people I use over and over again get it. That's why I'm using them over and over again. <laughs> good point. Uh, okay, we got to get out of here. Um, go 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 go. So yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll fill you in as the road continues for all the projects we've mentioned. Uh, Stay tuned to the channel for this week to see what we're doing with other uh, with Sci-Fi Film Festival. Thanks for everybody keeping us involved. Thanks for our patrons. We love you. Keep on geeking on. Did I say we love you? I mean, I guess you we sure love did. You. Yeah, the love, love, love is a big I, I basket. Just, I just want to make out with all of you just like a little bit. We can all fit in the basket. It puts yeah. the love in the basket. I'm leaving now for real. Bye. Yeah. Bye.